Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter Hyde. My guest today is Sri Danthi, the Executive Vice President and Chief Technology Officer of Advanced Auto Parts, a role he's held for roughly three and a half years. In that role, he's accountable for developing and implementing enterprise-wide technology strategy that delivers information systems and services to accelerate growth. He also leads overall information security and is a member of the company's executive leadership committee. Prior to his current role, he spent seven years at PepsiCo. His roles there included Chief Information Officer and Senior Vice President, PepsiCo, Frito-Lay, North America, and Global E-Commerce, as well as the Global Chief Technology Officer role. But first, a word from our sponsor, QuickBase, and the company's Chief Executive Officer, Ed Jennings. QuickBase is a low-code application development platform focused on citizen automation, and Ed wanted to share how the company helps organizations democratize automation. Ed, over to you. At QuickBase, our mission is to unlock the potential of organizations to adapt and innovate at speed. We do this by empowering business technologists within organizations to leverage low-code, no-code, to visually build their own applications, click and drag, integrate across their existing systems, and eliminate manual and clumsy processes by writing their own workflow automations. As we see more technology responsibility shifting to the business, here are the top three ways that CIOs can unlock the potential of their own businesses to adapt and innovate faster. One, empower a culture of innovation where every member of the team feels responsible for building and innovating digital solutions. Two, build a practice of citizen automation in your company, build our governance frameworks and communities of practice. And three, equip the team with the right citizen automation tools. My name is Ed Jennings and I'm the CEO of QuickBase. I look forward to sharing how we've helped over 5,000 enterprises mature their citizen automation programs. And now on to the interview. Sri, welcome. It's great to speak with you today. Oh, pleasure to be here, Peter. So I know it's been a while we spoke, but I'm happy to connect with you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Well, Sri, you are the uh, Executive Vice President and Chief Technology Officer of Advanced Auto Parts, a role that you've had for nearly three and a half years now. And I wonder if you can, as, as uh, the Chief Technology Officer role translates very differently in different organizations, can you take a, a moment and just describe your responsibilities as CTO? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, every company has a different uh, responsibilities on it. But as uh, you know, we uh, thought about our role as a CTO, as a technology leader, you know, in advance. Uh, you know, our our objective is truly advancing our advanced auto parts by you know building a new technology and the digital capabilities for the future. And uh, with that comes in as a responsibility to it truly become a liaison between business and the technology organizations and looking at as an end-to-end enterprise architecture and you know, building capabilities for the future on this. So you know, most of my time has been spent you know, partnering with the businesses and understanding what the, you know, not only today's needs are and what are those unmet needs for future, you know, the standpoint, right? So, you know, that's been really the exciting part, uh, you know, coming on to the uh, advanced auto parts and the building, you know, this uh, technology strategy to uh, help support our business. 
Well, let's get into that strategy itself. Uh, as we've spoken about uh, previously, I, I find it really interesting the way um, the way in which digital and technology is woven into the broader narrative of the business itself. You have a vision, uh, you've noted, I'm quoting you here, of uh, advance a world in motion by creating innovative, customer-centric digital solutions that enable profitable growth. And I, I find this really compelling. It's customer-centric. It talks about not only growth, but also growth of profit, which presumably means both the revenue part of the conversation in addition to cost efficiencies. Uh, and you talk about a world in motion, the dynamism of the current uh, economy and so on. Maybe talk a little bit about, about that vision and the role that uh, your organization plays in it. Now, that's a great uh, uh, observation, Peter. Uh, you know, as we really kind of thought about building, you know, as I came on three years ago, you know, to really build a vision and strategy. That was the vision where you just articulated, but to really the strategy is, you know, to really support that is to become a truly customer centric and building the, the solutions that are gonna really differentiate it for our customers as a, one of the component as part of our, you know, strategy. I'll kind of peel that, what does that really mean from, you know, the customer centricity standpoint. The second big component is the team member experience. We have a, you know, 70,000, you know, the, the team members uh, in our uh, company. You know, first and foremost, I want to really take a minute to thank all of our, you know, the team members during 2020. It's been a challenging year. Uh, we being the essential, you know, the services company, our stores were open and, uh, you know, we needed to make sure that, you know, the health of our team members and safety of our customers, you know, is a priority. So, you know, they worked through relentlessly in 2020 to continue to serve our customers. So I want to really take the time to be able to thank all of our team members, you know, for that. Uh, and the team member experience kind of comes in with the, how do we really enable them, uh, you know, to be efficient as they are serving customers and what digital capabilities that are needed. How do we improve the collaboration for them? How do we make it as easy to work with, right? So that is the second component as a team member experience. And the third one is it truly is a digitization of all of our processes. Uh, Peter, we as a company has kind of, a, you know, came together through the acquisition in the last six, seven years. And how do we really bring it together as a one company and truly uh, go through that digitization. But when we're going through that digitization, how do we really look for a simplification of that, you know, the business processes that what do we need to do and where it require, how do we automate, you know, as a much more of a hyper automation that, you know, we're really looking for. And then the last one is a truly driving the value and value with the speed and agility. Uh, like many other technology leaders are looking for ways to continue to, uh, you know, the added value to the business, but how do we really look at it more of a product-centric organization and driving much more of a continuous delivery and uh, driving with more of an engineering mindset, you know, inside of our organization. So that way we actually are looking for outcomes uh, in terms of the value standpoint that what is needed. But obviously none of these, you know, would be even feasible without having to have a much more a thinking of a modern architecture. 
right? So, you know, to me, the modern architecture is kind of a building that flexibility in the, you know, architecture through, you know, microservices are, you know, the leveraging the newer, you know, the data platforms that to be able to really support that speed and agility, but also the scalability part of it. You know, as part of this modern architecture, we have actually made the decision to kind of move into a more cloud-first strategy, you know, as well. You know, certainly it's not a new thing uh, in these days from a, a technology and a CTO's toolkit standpoint, but it's certainly we're moving into much more as a cloud-first strategy as well. And then last and, you know, definitely not the least is the overall data and intelligence. You know, it's an area that it's... Uh, never be complete in my experience, but the more that we actually harmonize overall from a, a data standardization standpoint, kind of mastering that master data to really building more insights and analytics and predictive, you know, the, the uh, elements to support the, you know, the more of a, a dynamic businesses like us, that the things do change based on the weather, you know, based on the, the seasonality, and based on affordability, we believe that having this as a data and intelligence platform helps us to really support our customers you know, much better as well. Well, that's a great overview, Sri. Thank you so much. I'd love to dig into a couple of them at least uh, in greater detail. Before we do, though, I'd love to understand the extent to which this uh, vision and strategy suggests new ways of doing business for the digital and technology team. I'm curious what this meant in terms of uh, changes in in talents necessary and skills necessary, and the extent to which it meant retraining some of the uh, existing staff, in, in, as well as bringing in new people who knew what good looked like uh, from the standpoint of where you're going, as opposed to where the organization's been. Yeah, great, great question, uh, Peter. I mean, it is a critical ingredient to be successful, having the you know number one the right skill sets you know, inside of the organization. And I spoke of it as a engineering culture, you know, is something that we're really building inside of our, you know, the advanced auto parts. You know, to me, you know, the having the engineering culture is that we need to be comfortable to innovate. And we need to be intellectually curious. And we need to be driving the speed and agility and also we need to have a passion for the domain. And the domains could be on our, like, you know, the, the B2C side of the domain or B2B side of the domain or the, our supply chain or a merchandising as a domain on this. So, you know, as part of this, when I came in, you know, three years ago, certainly looked at, that's one of the areas of skill sets, what we have and what is really needed and what do we have, how do we really upgrade them? Right, so we put an intense program of uh, you know upgrading the skill sets by training, but also more importantly acquiring this new engineering skills that are needed. You know, as part of that, uh, you know, I'm really pleased to announce that uh, we not only really recruited you know hundreds of team members in U.S. and uh, primarily in Raleigh. Roanoke and Richmond are our locations uh, uh, here in North Carolina and Virginia. But also we established a global capability center in India. 
the primary driver is to access to the talent. And access to the technology talent was one of our primary driver, you know, in the entire 2020. I'm happy to really say that we're able to get uh, close to 250 of our, uh, you know, the, the team members recruited in, in our GCC that are helping us to really build this new capabilities to support. So the technology talent is the key, you know, for us. And that's something that we knew you know, a couple of years ago, and that's why we've been really building. But, you know, having said that, this is not a ever a done uh, thing, as you know, Peter, that the uh, new, uh, you know, the technologies are coming up and, uh, you know, career pathing and training to our, you know, the, the technology talent is something that we're really looking at as a continuous, you know, the programs uh, for us. Yeah, that's great. I also see some real connection points across the model, certainly, but especially through the end-to-end -end process digitalization, as well as the uh, modernization of your architecture. Those strike me as foundational items that are really important as you're introducing so much that is new. You spoke about data and artificial intelligence. Uh, you talked about some of the technologies to introduce and implement that would delight customers. You talked about you know, increasingly developing a product orientation. If you're building those new capabilities upon antiquated processes and antiquated architecture, then in some ways you're actually building greater levels of complexity into the system. You, you made it quite clear, of course, that part of what you're trying to do is simplify, um, make make this a cloud first and therefore a modern, uh, a modern, modern uh, architecture and portfolio that you're building upon. I wonder if you could take a quick moment and between those two areas, talk a bit about that journey and how long um, you anticipate it taking, recognizing that perhaps there's never a full destination for that. Uh, but for any organization that's been around for a while, there's a fair amount that is I've no doubt redundant, a fair amount that is antiquated, and therefore in need in both cases of updating and upgrading. Um, talk a bit about the, the methods you've used from those perspectives, please. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. You sound like our CEO, uh, Tom Greco, <laughs> quite honestly. He does ask me that, you know, hey, when are we going to really finish this? But, uh, you know, the approach that we took, uh, you know, as I came in three years ago, Peter, that, you know, uh, the three uh, approaches that we took, one is the fix, uh, and second one is a build, and the third one is a transform. Right. So the fix is that really to truly upgrade our technologies that, you know, it's been a little bit, uh, you know, not focused on it. You know, I would say in, a, in a previous years and had a lot of obsolete technology, right, unsupported platforms that, you know, what we had. And it was not making it easy for our team members to help support our customers on this, right? So, you know, we looked at that as part of that, you know, the talent upgrade, you know, is one of them as part of the fix that we looked at it. But build is the, you know, the area that really bringing in into a one common platform, like getting into a one payroll, right? You know, we had a four different payroll systems before and getting into a one general ledger you know, the system, and then getting into a one, you know, the inventory management system, right? So one, you know, the WMS as a supply chain system, right? So, you know, this is the journey that we put together. You know, that's, a, you know, three, uh, three and a half years uh, of a journey, but uh, certainly with the 2020, it has taken a little bit of pause uh, given the pandemic, you know, the situations, but 
that's like a build on this. And then the third one is a transform, you know, the part of it, right? So now that you have this as a, you know, the single source of truth and one common platform, and it really leverages that to really build a much more of a, what we call dynamic assortment, right? So the dynamic assortment is that, you know, really getting the assortment closer to the customers for us by understanding the geography, understanding the demand in that area based on the vehicles in that area and zip code, how do we really get you know, all of our assortment closer to the to the our uh, our customers is one of that that you know we believe we can really kind of help our customers by as part of transforming. Same thing with the mobile app, you know, as a digital capability part of the transformation that we're really put, you know putting in place. You know, in 2020, uh, obviously, uh, like many companies, uh, we're not uh, exception, but I had to accelerate number of uh, digital capabilities as part of our transform. Right. We actually, in the middle of uh, COVID, we uh, uh, deployed our mobile app. Uh, we are a bit late to the market, but now I'm happy to say that really taking the lead on in terms of getting the, the downloads and our customers using you know, our mobile app to be able to really support what their needs are. Right. So uh, that's something that we delivered. And we also delivered a same day service. You know, it's a suite of services that. Uh, we put together and prioritized in 2020 to be able to deliver it very quickly in a, in a weeks and months, uh, you know, to be able to support our customers, you know, during this pandemic. Uh, you know, it's something that is not as normal and common for this industry as a same day delivery. You know, we we talked about the same day, but our 90 plus percent of our orders been delivered in a three hours. Uh, you know, yes, it's a three hours is, you know, something that, you know, to really help customers that whose, you know, car broke down uh, on the on the streets or at home. So they need to be able to really repair that. So we felt this is something critical for our business on this. Right. So, I mean, that's how we've been really prioritizing and putting as a transform on it. So, again, it's a build, uh, the, the fixed build and transform that we prioritized and we are, you know, kind of coming off of fixed into the more build and the transform. And none of these is a sequential, Peter. I mean, it's we had to do some level of, you know, the parallel efforts while we we're fixing some things while we needed to transform, you know, the some areas. But you know, we you know we see this as a you know the three to five years uh journey, you know, for us to be able to get through. And then there is going to be the next trends that will be coming in that we won't we will want to leverage this modern architecture and the data platform that we're building. That's great. A great overview, indeed. I wanted to, you, you uh, spoke a little bit about something I'd like to delve into a little bit further, and that is both your objective of delighting customers as well as enhancing team member experience. Uh, the methods and even the expectations of each constituent group, both customers as well as, as colleagues, uh, changed quite a bit, no doubt, as a result of the, the, the pandemic um, and new ways of working, uh, obviously the way in which it changed all of our lives for for, for so much time here and reset our expectations to a greater extent. And, and I'm curious, um, it sounds as though that was, that's been a real catalyst for change, um, but I'm curious if you could take a little bit more time and talk about the, the evolving expectations in those two constituent groups, both customers as well as employees, as a result of 
uh, the, the, the past 18 months or so and the ways in which digital and technology play this, this um, critical role in meeting those new expectations. Yeah, you know, it's uh, definitely, right? I mean, the, from a customer standpoint, uh, Peter, you know, overall, this 2020 taught many new things for our customers on how uh, it can support their convenience, that what they need, but also in a timely, right? So I think the, you know, in, in our industry, uh, what we see is that 80, 90% of our customers, they look up first, you know, digitally before they even choose to either buy it online or go to the store to really pick up. You know, great news is that we have a lot of assets, uh, you know, uh, across the U.S., uh, uh, you know, uh, Peter, that we have a close to, uh, you know, the uh, 4,800 uh, stores, uh, you know, across the U.S. So, you know, the customers have a choice that, you know, once they look up, hey, I want to be able to drive up, you know, 10 minutes, uh, around the street to be able to, you know, the uh, pick up the part, or they can make the, you know, the uh, order on online, and you know, after you know buying online to be able to pick up at the store, right? So they have that flexibility, you know, to to do that. But we're seeing that as a more trend from a, a digitally available information, you know, from a customer standpoint, right? So, and the the team member side, you know, the uh, need for collaboration. Uh, you know, within the store or a store to the, our distribution center and the distribution center into our corporate, you know, the, you know, the support teams that how do we really ensure the support, you know, the customer journey and the customer needs are met, you know, quickly uh, uh, and also, you know, getting the right part into the right place, you know, as well. So, you know, that those are some of the things that have come up, uh, you know, for us. You know, obviously, uh, 2020 taught us to be more, you call it as the uh, video fatigue on, but a lot of people have been, you know, kind of uh, leveraging this video conference. Uh, you know, as the as a pandemic hit, like many companies, uh, that uh, we never thought that we would be as remote as quickly as uh, we were. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, I always uh, say this to our CEO that, you know, if you would have asked me, to really, can you work in a more flexible and a hybrid model uh, prior to the pandemic? I probably would have come up with, oh, we had to do list of things before we actually enable that, and that would take several years on it. But you know, none of us had that time, and we had to really act quickly on it. I'm really proud of our teams, Peter. You know, during that time, how we enabled our, uh, you know, the uh, uh, remote VPN capabilities and building in a resiliency and leveraging, you know, cloud technologies to be able to really support all of our teams in a much more remotely. And now, you know, like many companies that were really thinking about what would this future of workplace would look like, right? So, you know, it's gonna be somewhere like a hybrid model, right? So it's not going to be like swinging back and saying everybody's going to really come, you know, to the to the workplace or where they left. But, you know, how do we really operate in the hybrid, you know, the side of it? So, you know, those are some of the things that we're look, looking at as how do we make it as a hybrid environment, you know, as seamless for our team members 
So that way they can be more effective regardless of you are in the office, physical office, or you are remote, or one day here and one day is remote, you know, on this. Stuff. So that's where we're really working through from a team member's standpoint. That's great. Thank you for that overview. Um, I, I wanted to dig just a little further also into the data and intelligence aspect of the of the vision and strategy. Um, you, you highlighted some of the, the practices you're, you're putting in place there um, and new revenue opportunities you hope to elicit from that work. Um, maybe you can take a little bit more time and just uh, talk a bit about some of the new things that you and the team are doing relative to that topic, one that is uh, growing in importance across so many different organizations like yours. Um, how, does, how do those ideas apply uh, to advance auto parts, please? Yeah, I mean, there is definitely a ton. Uh, I mean, the data and AI uh, is uh, in everyone's strategy, I would say. <laughs> it's not uh, uh, unique to advance, but, uh, you know, I think in our case, uh, trying to get the master data really mastered on this, right? Whether it's understanding of customer, Right. We have a two different types of uh, customers. One is a professional customers. We call it as a B2B, you know, the side of it. And then we have a DIY customers that who are coming into our store, our website. And, uh, you know, how do we really bring it as a one common, you know, the customer understanding of it, you know, is the is the one. And the item master is the second one, location and the uh, team members, you know, all of these data that we kind of went through of a master data management component. And then really understanding of islands of data, that is whether it's a inside of our data, data warehouses that we had, you know, from a various, uh, you know, banners uh, inside of the company. And also there's some data that is externally hosted as well. Some of our marketing data was hosted you know, externally or some of the pricing data was hosted externally. In the last couple of years, we actually brought all of the data uh, together into a platform that we built as a data lake, uh, you know, leveraging you know, the Amazon AWS platform. So we kind of brought all of the data together and to really to drive this personalization, you know, our, uh, you know, the CMO, Jason McDonald's is really passionate about driving the customer value. And to drive the customer value, he needed to understand who that customer is and what are the, you know, the buying patterns for that customer. What are the needs for that customer, right? Then he can actually help tailor through the personalization are to be able to tailor to the loyalty programs that you know we've been able to put together. You know we have a program called Speed Perks as a loyalty program to be able to understand what they're spend with us and then how we can really support them. You know for their you know needs as a go forward. And you know obviously you know other new things that are really coming up in terms of uh, understanding the demographics of our you know the customers across the the U.S. and also the regional in nature to, you know, see what, what you know the specific vehicles are there and the the miles driven of those vehicles. That way we can actually get the right part into into those right uh, distribution centers and the right you know the our uh, stores to be able to really be, uh, support the customer. And then lastly, and a pricing, uh, pricing competitiveness uh, is something that we've been working on 
in terms of, uh, you know, making sure that as the inflation, you know, grows and how do we really, you know, price right to the our, our customers to drive the value and at the same time to improve the uh, operating margins for, you know, our company. So, you know, we're at the beginning stages at this point, uh, Peter, but we're really leveraging that data as an asset at this point, really truly build this, you know, the personalization and the differentiation that our, you know, the uh, chief marketing officer is driving. That's a fantastic overview. Um, I wanted to hear at the close of our conversation, Sri, ask you if there are any other trends that particularly excite you as you look to the future. A number of them, including in your most recent answer, uh, are particularly uh, important, uh, not only at advanced auto parts, but across so many organizations. A any others that come to mind in terms of areas of emphasis or focus of your team? Yeah, you know, I mean, the ones that I mentioned, going deeper is definitely is one of the priorities for us. So, you know, we're in a very, very early stages of, uh, you know, AI and ML. You know, it's something that you know, we're actually trying to build a practice uh, of AI with the data science. You know, we uh, have a number of data science, you know, the, the team members, uh, you know, inside of our marketing team really focused uh, on understanding that, you know, the customer and building models uh, to, you know, uh, drive that customer value on that. And there is a team in our merchandising team that is truly focused on understanding the entire uh, item uh, and the item master and the demand is a demand forecast that comes in to be able to really support and adding a new SKUs, you know, as the, the customer needs on this, right? So AI ML is uh, going to be continued focus on this. And is uh, another one that you know RPA is the uh, is the second one that we're really looking at. Uh, it's not a new trend, but it's a trend that you know we are really focused on. Given we are building a lot of common platforms at this point, so now I can really apply more of a RPA as a capabilities to drive this hyper automation uh, that is uh, really needed. And the third one is the IoT. Uh, is something that you know we're uh, closely monitoring, uh, Peter. Given that we have uh, some of the uh, uh, high value and high velocity products that are distributed in you know 4,600 plus locations uh, across the U.S. and how do we really leverage IoT to be able to truly see the movement of those products? That way we can build a much better demand you know, the accuracy, you know, from a forecast standpoint, that way we can drive the better supply to be able to support our stores and the and the team members uh, on this. Uh, I mean, that's what I, I would, you know, say the, the some of the trends that, you know, we're really looking at, you know, also the blockchain, you know, is also out there, you know, given that, you know, we are a, a sort of supply chain company, uh, you know, the complexities that exist uh, within the uh, supply chain were, you know, looking to really uh, leverage some of the blockchain capabilities to see how we simplify our operation. Well, a great, uh, great overview, Sri, and an exciting vision for the future from across this, uh, this conversation, the many things that you and your team are working on have already accomplished, but also uh, of the, the aspects of it that, yet to come, that are yet to come. I really appreciate you taking time and providing an overview of of your areas of focus and some of your exciting view of the future and what it what it holds for you and for your your customers as well. Uh, it's been a great conversation, Sri. 
Uh, thank you, uh, Peter. It's been my pleasure. And then I always uh, learn every interaction that I have with you. So uh, thank you so much for your partnership. Thank you so much. You're kind to say that. Introduce the car that's behind you right now. I know that it's one of your favorites from among the Stellantis portfolio. So in 1998, I became an employee of Chrysler, Chrysler Corporation right before Chrysler merged with Daimler. So one of the first town halls that I attended, um, our CEO back then was Jim Holden. He came to the town hall in a red uh, wiper. And I told myself that one day I would own that wiper that he came in. <laughs> I don't know if I have the exact car. I don't think I have the exact car. Uh, but I have a 1998 second generation Dodge Viper um, and uh, GTS. And it's one of my favorite cars that I love driving. And the engineers have done such a beautiful job. Um, it's, um, it's a Viper. And when you sit in the car and you uh, accelerate it, you can hear the hissing noise of a snake. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. <laughs> well, I can, I can tell from this and even a, a past conversation with you, the, Mamta, that uh, the auto industry is really in your in your blood. You 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 love cars and you love uh, you know advances in cars. In, in addition to some nostalgia, clearly, given the nineteen ninety eight car that you uh, you also enjoy driving. But um, Mamta Shamarthi, thank you so much for for a really insightful, deeply insightful uh, conversation about the future of Stellantis, uh, and more generally speaking, the future of driving and some of the remarkable innovations that you and your team are working on. I appreciate you also shedding some light on your own career journey, uh, your perspectives uh, about the pathways for leadership for people, generally speaking, uh, women more specifically as well. As I say, it's been a great conversation and an honor to include you uh, uh, in, our, in our podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Peter.